Coming up on today's Locked On Bucks, Damian Lillard does it again, a walk-off winner, giving the Bucks what may be their best win of the season and capping a four-game homestand that brought a lot to discuss. Frank and I will get into it after this on Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network. Joined by Frank Madden, the longtime host of the pod and uh, Brew Hoop as well. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's Locked On Bucks is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Frank, uh, I mentioned this may have been the best win of the season for the Bucs when you consider all of it. The night two of a back-to-back, three games in four days, no Chris Middleton, and we'll get to the late-game execution that got them to overtime. Uh, but it would have been very easy, and Adrian Griffin talked about this after the game as well, for this team to fall down by six points after seeing a double-digit lead slip away. You go down by six in overtime, it would have been easy to pack it in uh, but this team made plays down the stretch, and then at the end, you're reminded why you go and trade for Damian Lillard. Yeah, definitely not the highest quality win uh, of the year, and, and nearly a very frustrating loss in spite of all the factors you just mentioned. But it did feel like just a very fun game to, in spite of the fact that you had a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter, it felt like the Bucks stole that, stole that win, <laughs> given they go down six, or uh, kind of midway through overtime, and then get lucky with some missed free throws. Malik Monk, what, an 88% free throw shooter, misses two free throws. De'Aaron Fox misses one of two, both in sort of, you know, you're just fouling, trying to get the ball back type scenarios. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. I was listening to uh, some some podcasts this week, Justin, and Zach Lowe and Chris Herring were giving their all-star picks. And I believe both of them, if I remember, understood it correctly, left Damian Lillard off their all-star current all-star picks. And I mean, I like Zach and Chris, Zach knows certainly more about basketball than I'll ever forget. But the reasoning for why Damian Lillard, I believe, I don't think Zach had him on his all-star team either. The reasoning for Dame Lillard not being on either all-star team was just so like reductive. It like basically was like, Dame, you don't smile enough. It was like, you're not averaging as many points a game as last year. First off, who cares? He averaged 32 points a game. He's on a better team now. It's, you know, the Bucks defense is bad now. Okay, okay, like, you know, is that purely a Damian Lillard problem? Is maybe the offense that we've been seeing also partly a Damian Lillard thing? He's got better advanced metrics than Tyrese Maxey, better advanced metrics than than Jalen Brunson. I think Chris Herring had Julius Randle on his all-star team. What are we doing, guys? Like, these last, I think, three games, I think were a really nice statement from Dame, starting with the game on Thursday against the Celtics and then following up with these two games um, over the weekend and especially culminating in this buzzer beater tonight, a nice reminder of what Damian Lillard can do. Again, the few days off seemed like he cleared his head, was able to spend some time with his kids. And 
We saw pictures of him leaving the game the last two games over the weekend with his kids, and he treated them to about as nice of a you know weekend show that you can. Um, you know, I've got two daughters. Don't think I'm ever going to be able to show them uh, a walk-off NBA game-winning <laughs> shot. So, uh, Dame, you gotta got us mortals beaten on that. But um, yeah, I just thought it was an you know hopefully kind of a get-right week for Damian Lillard. And again, people acting like he's had this like poor year, or like, like he struggled all year talking about raw field goal percentage, you know, he's been over, he's been at 61% true shooting better than Brunson, better than Maxi, you know, better than Julius Randall, betting all these guys that like supposedly are apparently all-stars now um, and who have worse records than Damian Lillard bucks are owned through without him. And certainly tonight they don't win this game without him. They don't win last night without him. And especially tonight where you, as you said, we're missing Chris Middleton, um, you know, again, I think just, uh, some huge shots and again, not just Dame Brooke Lopez hitting that three when they were down four off of a Giannis drive and kick late in overtime. Um, it was, you know, not again, Giannis had the joke. Didn't Giannis have the joke about, you know, we can't just score, give up 140 points and assume we're going to score 142. Well, yeah. gave up 142 and scored 143. Um, Maybe not the way you'd want to win all these games. Uh, we did not see a continuation of the defensive intensity we saw on Thursday. So, you know, maybe uh, not not a, a sign of of some sort of revolution in terms of the Bucks' defense these last couple of nights. But um, especially with, again, more difficult games on the horizon, especially in the month of March, banking wins um, is important. And we'd love it to be like we saw every game against the Celtics on Thursday. But Again, if sometimes you're going to win games like we saw tonight and last night, again, they're not perfect, but they're still wins. Uh, Dame, too. I think it's 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 funny because we had more of this conversation earlier in the year when I think a lot of Bucks fans that didn't watch a lot of Blazers games last year would kind of look around like, is is he always like this? slow of a starter and you'd be reassured like yeah he gets off to slow starts and you'd hear from people in portland if don't worry about it and when you look at the numbers he's not too far off his previous uh, few seasons averages and look part of it too is he's asked to do a lot different or, or be in a, a much different role now than he was in portland obviously the shots are down and a lot of his three pointers in terms of his attempts that are down but the biggest difference is just knowing he can pick his spots more. And I think that can come across as he's not quite as impactful when he knows it's it's most important for me to have it in the fourth quarter. And that's what he had. And again, that's it's what the Bucs have not had, I mean, obviously for decades, really, that no team, there's, what, three teams in the league that have had anything close to Damian Lillard. But it's really what the Bucs had been missing, that he did not have a great shooting night tonight. But you look up, and yet he was still almost up to 30 points and made the biggest impact late, where nine of those points came in overtime, and you saw the Kings have to game plan. How do we make sure he does not get the ball in overtime in those spots and in the fourth, where the Bucs needed to get to the line? Yeah, and, you know, again, it was it was a weird night, right? Because you look at it, you have no Chris Middleton, so immediately your margin for error offensively is lower campaign did make an appearance tonight and hit a bunch of big shots i mean campaign who i have been saying have been thinking and saying that you know what yeah, if maybe we just kind of reduce the campaign minutes to zero or maybe some second quarter time and 
cut out these like fourth quarter campaign minutes, like that might be a good thing. Uh, he certainly did his part tonight, 15 points from, from cam and just had his, his three ball working. Um, you know, first time we've seen him since he had, um, the neck injury that, that kept him out of a couple games. And, um, you know, so you had some contributions there. Bobby Portis, 22 points on 11 shots. And Giannis, a weirdly, I mean, again, like our standards are impossibly high, right? 27 points on 16 shots, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, you know, let's start with that, right? Like for mere mortals, those are awesome numbers. Uh, for Giannis, I sort of felt like, man, why wasn't he able to attack Sabonis a little bit more? And, you know, Sabonis was just, Sabonis had a great night, nine out of 10 shooting, um, kind of was able to get to his spots in the lane, even hit a three, um, 15 assists, that kind of dribble handoff offense that they run. Um, and which makes them so deadly was, was working really well. And they were shooting the lights out. And for most of the night, the bucks were shooting the lights out as well. So, you know, this was just one of those games that again, as kind of felt like a, an Indiana game in some respects, the offenses run differently because obviously, you know, a lot of this offense is Sabonis dominated, not like the Halliburton sort of high pick and roll um, uh, offense in, in, in the exact same way. But, um, this is a super difficult, you know, offense to contain. And again, the bucks did well for stretches, but Sacramento shot really well. Uh, I think what they were over 40%, I think for the night. Um, and, uh, again, it just felt like anytime one of the teams got into a little bit of a funk, the other team, you know, if, if you, if you miss three shots in a row, then it seemed like the other team was making a run. And, um, obviously it kind of swung back and forth and, Bucks really should have had this game, um, you know, after the bench early in the fourth kind of gave them a nice boost. You would have liked for them to just sort of take care of business, but credit the Kings. They just kind of kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And um, some interesting uh, decisions uh, down the stretch in terms of the Bucks fouling. I would say some overcompensation from, you know, we've seen this team previously, like quote unquote, forget to intentionally foul when they were up three in this game. Uh, they were just fouling very aggressively when they were up uh, three with 17 seconds left. They fouled intentionally when they were up three with 10 seconds left. They fouled intentionally and they put Giannis not inbounding the ball. And uh, he made three out of four free throws. But, you know, very nearly, I would say, their late game uh, strategy in terms of the fouling game and inbounding um, very nearly cost them this game. But um, again, I'm going to be interested to see the next time in there, they're in this situation because I would hope that maybe the strategy would be a little bit different. I don't know, Justin, I think Adrian Griffin talked about a little bit in the post game we were discussing before the pod. I did not catch it, um, but I don't know what your, your reflections were because it was definitely, uh, again, it seemed like they were kind of maybe swinging back too far the other direction uh, after, you know, catching some flack for not fouling against the Bulls. And I forget what the other game was. I know that we had another game recently where they didn't foul yeah. up three. Yeah, I don't remember what that one was either. He did talk about it. Um, I would assume this will take up a bulk of the conversation because the late game execution <clears throat> for the Bucks left much to uh, be desired. So we'll get into that. And uh, the comments of Adrian Griffin that he made to the uh, media after the game coming up next on Locked on Bucks. Today's Locked On Bucks is uh, brought to you by Jace Medical, and I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of real life, but uh, if we can talk for just a minute about preparing for real life, 
According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than any of those close to you being sick and unable to get uh, their life-saving medication that they need. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses like UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and many others. This stuff can happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E dot com. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. And uh, Frank, we should also remind the viewers and listeners, Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today, here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, the late game execution. So you and I were talking about this beforehand. Um, as it was happening, there was a play where Malik Beasley, I think it was De'Aaron Fox, uh, followed him with right around 20 seconds left. And when it happened, both uh, Dave Kane and I kind of looked at each other and questioned, was that an intentional foul? Because it certainly seemed like it. And we saw some type of instruction from Adrian Griffin on the sidelines to Malik Beasley specifically. It was on Malik Monk who made both of the free throws. And at that point, the Bucks were up by three. 17 seconds is still an awful lot of time to get into the let's play the, the foul and free throw uh, game here. But nonetheless, it, it really seemed to prolong things and keep the Kings around even longer. I mean, Three-point game is still a one-possession game. But they did it there. They did it again on Malik Monk um, or on, on De'Aaron Fox with 11 seconds left, somewhere around there, nine seconds, when he caught the inbounds. And um, Adrian Griffin said after the game, when he was asked about that by our pal Eric Name, um, we didn't foul against Chicago when we were up by three, so we made it our rule, and we're sticking to it. It's something that we discussed as a team after that game and said if we're in that position again, we would have some hard rules. Fox was a little further away from the three-point line uh, when we fouled him, but we didn't want to take any chances of him eluding us and getting a three-pointer up. Players and staff were all in agreement, so I would do that again 10 times out of 10. Those guys just kept fighting and, and found a way, but that is apparently the hard and fast rule now. Um even though if memory serves, there was one game where that was not the case. I'm fine with that being the rule. If that's, we're going to foul when we're up by three, just so the opponent can't tie it on a three. Um, 
but 17 seconds and nine seconds is not really where I'm doing it. I'm, I'm playing defense on that sequence where it's 17 and I'm waiting a little deeper in the clock outside of nine seconds to make that on, on uh, deer and Fox and that, of uh, that second one. Yeah. I and mean, on the broadcast, I think, I think Marcus referenced, you know, like typically you don't want to wait till like seven or eight seconds before you start to think like that. And, and again, it's just, and, and I, I was thinking back to Justin, you probably remember this cause you're a sicko like me. Do you remember when, uh, I, I think, I can't remember if they were up by three. I think they might've been up by even more than three, but Is Jason with Kidd, a, a previous coach. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 There was that Jason Kidd game. And I want to say it was like, I think it was Detroit. four that they were up. Yeah. 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 And I think it was against Detroit and the Bucks. And his, he had the he had them intentionally fouled. And his quote distance. was something like he was specifically trying to avoid a four point play. <laughs> <laughs> well, and remember later he, he got mad because Giannis didn't intentionally miss a free throw up three <laughs> with like a second left. And Giannis missed it anyway. Time. Yeah. And 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 then he got mad at Giannis after was yeah. So anyway, um <laughs> so uh Again, like it's not, it's not that bad. Okay, I'm, I will say this: what happened today was not the <laughs> yes. up four fouling because you're worried about a four point play foul. Which I'm pretty sure, you know, like if you're worried about a four point play, just don't foul. And if, like, look, if memory going for serves, a foul feels who, like it's like who, like you're kind of inviting the four point play, but whoever um, they were playing, if memory serves, did not have timeouts left. There was like <laughs> ten seconds left. Uh, just the overall sequence of events that would need to happen for what Jason Kidd feared the most yeah. is is what was like yeah. really okay. Yeah, Jason was living in a very weird <laughs> world of fears at that point. Um, yeah. So, but but I think long story short. Um, the reason why you you say like wait till seven eight seconds is because at that point it becomes like very hard to play the foul game right mm -hmm. if you foul intentionally with seven seconds left then um you know a they've yes they have to make two free throws and then b for them to foul you and you go down and shoot free throws and then for them to get the ball back and have to come back and try to hit a shot it's just harder to do that versus when you do it with 17 seconds left like the game can get very long and you know the upside was that the the kings did run out of timeouts so by by doing this like they did get to a situation where the kings didn't have a timeout um the last on the last foul call uh where Giannis went to the line but the problem was he misses the second free throw and then De'Aaron Fox goes length of the floor and credit to him Giannis was there right yeah I mean you know like you would say okay Giannis go show me your you know former defensive player of the year go you know, force a miss. Uh, but again, Fox is awesome. And he went out and just went at Giannis and, and got a buck. And it was like, oh, okay. Like they just tied the game. <laughs> it was very weird. Like as it was happening, it was like, I never going to win this game. And then like, no, they just, <laughs> he just drove right down the court and banked that shot in and crap. You know, I think what it was like, I think under three seconds left. And problem was at that point, the Bucks didn't have a timeout, right? Because of yeah. the, the time timeout they took trying to inbound the ball on the previous possession. So that was really kind of the other part of, oh, can you hear me, Justin? Sorry, my screens. Yeah, I got, I got, yeah, I got you. Yeah, Pat Connaughton had to okay. call the timeout. Sorry, my, in, my video is, is in the previous. Is, is but, but, 
Yeah, to to that point you were making. So Pat Connaughton had to burn the final timeout, inbounding uh, the ball or attempting to inbound the ball. So that took that away from the Bucks. The Kings had the same yeah. thing. But as, so anyway, as we were talking about before the the bigger and, part. I think the big picture of what the Bucks you know, strategy was. Yeah, the the big picture of the defensive strategy to follow. I agree with. But I think what you can nitpick more, and Adrian Griffin talked about this aspect as well, was getting the ball into Giannis as the guy that's taking those free throws in that moment of the game. And, you know, look, I get that teams are going to gear up and try to take Damian Lillard out of it. And the play that the Bucs ran that first time when the Kings still had a foul to give, you saw the Kings adjustment of knowing, okay, the Bucs are going to try to get Dame in the backcourt again. So let's load up and move to half court. So he can't get that clean release. Um, Adrian Griffin after the game. And I, I think, yeah, maybe not quite as much, but there were some people that were questioning how, how are you going to explain this one away too with Giannis taking those four attempts and look, he made three of them. And when you look at games in the clutch, Giannis is a 76 or 77% free throw shooter in those games. So I know he touts, I make them when they matter for the, for the most part, he typically does, but it is still, you got Damian Lillard on this team. I'd feel much more comfortable if you were doing everything you could to get him the ball. I know Chris wasn't on the floor tonight, but even guys like Beasley and uh, Brooke Lopez. So it, it comes down to one of the conversations we've had quite a bit of in that spot. Don't you want Giannis inbounding the ball? And if you need an outlet as they used him uh, on two of those, you can use Brooke Lopez in that spot. Yeah, I mean, Giannis is a good passer, and he's super tall, which is also another good trait to have when you're inbounding the ball late in games because obviously you got somebody jumping up trying to get obscure your vision. Probably tall, easier for Giannis to make a pass than Pat Connaughton, you know, who's whatever, Pat's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, right? Uh, seven inch, seven, eight inches shorter than, than Giannis. So, um, so yeah, that was a bit odd, and I'm guessing it comes down to Giannis doesn't want to be inbounding a ball and he wants to be, be potentially inbounded. getting a chance yeah. to shoot free throws and, uh, and a chance to prove. So something to bear in mind, right? Like we'll see if that just continues to be the approach and credit to the Kings. Like, you know, they basically said, we're going to take Damien away. And and this is where actually the Kings not having fouled earlier in overtime, the Bucks, I think, you know, got into the penalty pretty quickly um, and the Kings were not. And so they had that foul to give because they did get the ball to Damien Lillard. Yeah in the yep. backcourt initially on the first foul where Giannis made both free throws. Um, so it was one of those situations where, I don't know, you know, maybe they gave away their, their get Dame, get yeah. Dame the ball play on that one. So ironically, like, you know, it's like run the get Giannis the ball play when you've got a foul to give <laughs> and then run your play to get Dame the ball when you're in the penalty. So um, again, these are kind of these, just again, these are these small things that, can absolutely make the difference, right? When it comes down to a free throw here, a free throw there. And uh, Adrian Griffin after the game was asked about that as well, about Giannis going to the line four times in those spots and um, and said, if we can't get it to Dame, we put Giannis in the back. So we have an outlet. I have complete confidence in Giannis at the end of the game. He's been tremendous. If anyone doesn't think so, go back and watch the film and rewatch games. He's made some really big free throws for us, and it's something he takes pride in. I know how hard he works on that, and when I see that, I have no problem with him taking those shots. I would do it 100 times over. 
Yeah. And okay. Okay. Adrian, we get it. You're not ever going to say something in a press conference undercutting Giannis, your confidence in Giannis, but you know, those of us in the peanut gallery will, you know, are willing to say maybe he's not the first choice or the, even the second choice to be shooting free throws late in games. Again, just, uh, uh, I, I, I have the, we, we have this, we have enough access to stats. We know that, you know, uh, he doesn't become uh, Steph Curry shooting free throws. <laughs> so, um, but Hey, I mean, honestly, you know, like he hits the first two and then he hit the first one the second yeah. time he went to the line. So you were kind of hoping that like, he was again, just going to do it again down. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately the second one was, was short. And uh, again, Water under the bridge now, but um, again, I hope that we're not talking about this as like, oh, they're doing it again. They did it again, and this time they lost, right? Because uh, just tactically not what I think uh, you would you would draw. And, up, but and especially if it's in a playoff game, we hope it doesn't uh, come <laughs> yeah. to uh, to that. Um, when we come back from the break, you mentioned campaign and the boost that he gave them. Uh, your thoughts on what we've seen and and how he had been used recently because Adrian Griffin mentioned that prior to the game. And there's one other guy that we not only did not see tonight, but have not seen for a little bit now. So we'll get into a little bit of the rotation talk coming out of this weekend as the Bucks look to keep moving things forward here. We'll have that conversation coming up next on Locked on Bucks. Well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Go to FanDuel. The app is easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet. Live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find all the popular parlays that are out there. All of that and much more on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Frank, we saw campaign tonight, and before the game, Adrian Griffin was asked about uh, his absence, basically, for the last essentially three games. One of those was when he was in concussion protocol, but we didn't see him, basically, against the Celtics. It, it wasn't until Boston kind of waved the white flag. We did not see him against the Warriors over the weekend, and it does seem like the absence of Chris Middleton opened the door for him tonight because Chris had basically taken on that role the last couple of games as that backup point guard. Uh, Adrian Griffin had said, I think, some of the things you were alluding to, that the reason we hadn't seen campaign lately was, as, as Griff put it, some of the areas that I thought we needed the most help were rebounding and our lack of size, and that's where I, I just wanted to go in a different direction. It doesn't mean anything about Cam or his future with this team. I know he's a professional and, and he'll be ready whenever we called upon him. And I've expressed that to him as well. Um, but I, I do wonder, and I'm going to be curious to see, he was very impactful tonight. You mentioned he hit some big shots and finished with 15 points. But it, it does seem as though 
they had started to find some things. Not that they fixed everything, uh, but Chris Middleton kind of taking on that role. It changes a lot for this team. And I do wonder if what you had kind of mentioned before of it doesn't mean you don't play campaign anymore, but it's basically just second quarter when Dame's uh, getting a breather that Chris Middleton will take it the rest of the way once we get in the second half. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't talked much about the, the Warriors game, right? Um, only so much time here. We, we don't have an hour to talk about this. You know, I, Justin, will. I'm always willing to just <laughs> lather forever about the Bucs. Um, but against the Warriors, it was interesting. You, you did obviously have Chris in the lineup. And essentially, you had, you know, an eight-man rotation, I believe. It's basically for the, since since the, the Celtics game, right? These, these two yeah. Celtics and Warriors games, you essentially had this eight-man rotation with the usual starting five and then the guys off the bench, you know, the usual, the holdovers from the championship run, Pat and Bobby, and then Andre Jackson um, being the eighth guy today, Andre goes into the starting five. And first let's give credit for Saturday because he was great. Um, especially in the second half on Saturday, you know, he was minus 14 yeah. in the first half. We've talked a bit about how he's, his plus minus has been generally very bad this year. <laughs> Uh, which I think is somewhat reflective of the fact that he's a rookie. And even though we know he's got real, especially defensive tools, um, he's still figuring out how to kind of apply those, not get called for fouls. Some, some of which are, to be honest, like kind of just like rookie BS treatment stuff. Um, Like that foul on Thursday, by the way, Justin, where like Tatum was just like walked up to him and just like pushed him. Yeah. And he just like went backwards and got called for a foul. It was like, what what is he supposed to do there? Like it was just very bizarre. He and- he had one similar to that tonight too. When I think it was Darren Fox, there there was a lot of it where he got him with the offhand, a little bit of a push off, and stumbled a little bit. And Andre recovered and was like, "Okay, I have to be just as physical with him." And then he got called for it. Yeah. So Andre's whistle sucks. You know, he's getting called for fouls for basically trying to play NBA defense. Again, you know, you you just hope that kind of his reputation uh, improves <laughs> with officials. Um, but uh, he was instrumental in that second half against the Warriors. Again, another game where, you know, they did win by 11. Really took too long for a Warriors team that, that didn't have Steph, that doesn't have Draymond still. That obviously is still, you know, struggling even when Steph has been playing. Um, you did win by double digits, but it really took until that fourth quarter to really put them away. Um, and I think Andre though, really turned the tie. There was that 10, nothing run. I think it was in the third quarter, um, where he, you know, kind of did a little bit of everything, right? He had, I think it was after Giannis free throw miss, he got the ball back broken play, sees Giannis around the basket. And you know, what would Chris Middleton do? Throw it up to the rim, let Giannis finish it. That's what he did. Giannis gets a dunk. He had a, a really smart screen. Um, was it Chris was in the corner? Somebody was in the corner shooting a three and, and Andre screened. And yes, basically, I think yeah. Giannis, I think it was Giannis like threw in the pass for Chris or, you know, or Beasley, somebody. And Andre put to put it, had a really nice screen, which prevented the defender from getting out and being able to challenge it. That was like basically the next play, I think, after that alley-oop. And then the most impressive thing, I mean, we saw another awesome block tonight from Brooke on Alex Len. But to see a guy of Andre's size at 6'6", um, get up and was I think it was Trace Jackson. Was it Trace Jackson yeah, Davis who Trace tried Jackson to Jackson Davis? Yeah, yeah. And Trace Jackson Davis is first off, he's I think he's like six nine, very athletic, great dunker, and 
he tried to, you know, put Andre into a body bag <laughs> on this dunk attempt. And Andre came over, challenged, miraculously did not get called for a BS foul um, and rejected the shot. And, um, you know, that again was part of this 10 nothing run that put the Bucks in the lead. And again, not that the Bucks went and, and hid thereafter, um, but that was big. And then we saw Andre, um, I believe we had a little bit of small lineups in the fourth quarter as well as the Bucks mm-hmm. kind of put the game away, which again, we've talked a lot about how they, the Bucks have not gone small with Giannis at center and no Bobby and no Brooke very much at all. And we did see at least a little bit of that on sun on Saturday. And, you know, again, Andre has done a lot of like defending point of attack, like smaller guards. Um, but he's big enough that, you know, he can switch and, and also defend, um, you know, in many cases kind of one through four. Um, so first, um, double, double of his career, 10 points and rebounds. He had a super athletic tip dunk. He had a little, little floater. You know, we know he has a weird affinity for floaters, uh, hates shooting, but will always shoot these like floaters. And he, he did hit one late in the game. Um, that kind of helped seal it, but, uh, but he was great on Saturday. And then we saw the nature of being an NBA rookie on Sunday. <laughs> he starts with Chris out, makes sense. Um, and he gets five fouls in 10 minutes and doesn't score a point and, uh, pretty much was a non-factor in this game. So it's kind of the back and forth. And not only did we see campaign, because I think, I think part of this too, is like having Chris and Dame and Giannis, but then also Andre, even though he's not, you know, again, he, he doesn't look to score, so he can't really play as a point guard but he can be a supportive ball handler, help, you know, again, get the ball into the, into, into, you know, across the, the uh, mid court, you know, as so you can dribble up the floor and can kind of do some connectivity stuff in half court. Um, but he kind of took himself out of the game tonight with all these fouls. Yeah. So again, that was kind of the way it was. I thought not just odd seeing campaign, but campaign and AJ green paired together in a zone. That's the guards <laughs> was, was a choice. And, um, Look, we're halfway through the season. You know, we, we see this. Every coach does this, right? Like nobody's going to, it's not like, uh, you know, Griff is is getting his eight-man rotation down and these are the only guys that are going to play the rest of the year or something like that. Like Marjan Bochamp is going to get another opportunity. I'm pretty confident. He's been the notable guy who has not played these last few games other than the fourth quarter of garbage time against uh, the Celtics. Um, so again, it's just been interesting seeing kind of, again, AJ Green gets some random minutes tonight. I certainly thought Marjan Bochamp was going to play with no Chris Middleton. Yeah. AJ didn't really play particularly well, you know, hit one three, but, but really wasn't kind of doing that very much, yeah. which is really the one thing that he does. Um, so again, what's going on with that? Is there stuff going on in practice, whatever? I don't know. Marjan seemed, uh, I saw some like screenshots of him just sort of like sitting down and not celebrating much whatever, right? He seemed to be happy with the rest of everybody after the the damn celebration tonight. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is probably just how it's going to go, right? With with some of these kind of late rotation guys, they're going to kind of have some nights where they, you know, weeks where they play a lot, weeks where they don't play much. Um, and I think probably the most, most frustration is going to be aimed at like Pat Connaughton because um, obviously a lot of people want to see Marjan um, and, and Ajax get minutes over Pat. But um Again, I think Griff's going to go trust guys like Pat and and B, and Bees who have you know been kind of reliable, more reliable vets over their career. Um, and I think the question is just like, how does this evolve over the course of the season? Because I think 
again, you look at especially the Celtics game and and that Warriors game, you can see the argument why they really need Andre Jackson to be part of this rotation as a guy defensively that can give them a different look and actually like, you know, really bother um, lead guards, wings, et cetera, and give them kind of, again, more switching flexibility on the perimeter. So, um, so yeah, but definitely uh, an interesting 24 hours for, for Andre Jackson, but um, you know, I think we're going to continue to see him get opportunities. He's sort of pulled ahead of Marjan and the other young guys, certainly in the pecking order, but Again, hopefully it's not going to be because of a bunch of injuries, but I'm sure we're going to see those other guys get opportunities as well. And as always, it's just a question of whether whether young, you know, the question with young guys, like how do they stay ready and how do they take advantage of opportunities when they get them? Because that's how you get yourself more opportunities. You take advantage of the ones that you get. And we we should point out to um, no Chris Middleton in the game against the Kings. Um Griff said before the game, because we did see him play in both sets of the back-to-back most recently, what, last week, um, said this wasn't any type of a setback or any of that. This was more of just, this was three games in four days. and national t- No national TV. Uh, no national TV. So hanging over them. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's give him some rest there. Uh, the last thing I did want to mention before we, uh, we wrap it up here about Andre Jackson Jr. And look, the other point that you made, which I agree with, is you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people jumping to conclusions on Marjan. This by no means means the door is closed there. Go back to earlier in the year when the hype train was started to take off for Andre Jackson Jr. And then all of a sudden he disappeared and, and Marjan was playing again. So you're going to see Marjan Bochamp back in the rotation and getting minutes at some point. It's just the way the ebbs and flows of an 82-game season are. But to, to cap off the point, on uh, Andre, um, I don't know if you saw this av- or before the Warriors game or after it, but um, what struck me most, and I think a, a lot of us in the room when we heard it kind of turned and looked at each other too, was uh, Griffin was asked about Andre Jackson Jr. prior to that game against the Warriors and how he would rate his progress so far, something along the lines of that, and specifically mentioned Christian Brown and said, he reminds me of Christian Brown in that he's a contributor. Um, I like what I see defensively. We're starting to get that trust in him. And Christian Brown was able to contribute during a playoff run for the Nuggets. And that's that was critical to their success. I kind of see that in Andre Jackson Jr. as well. And he went on to, to talk about the fouls and the fact that he's not overly concerned he mentioned those matchups against or, or those couple of possessions against Jason Tatum where overall he thought he held his own and uh, his discipline in that he'll get a foul or two, but they're typically not careless fouls, and that's where that comp kind of came from. But to hear Christian Brown, because as, as we've all talked about, I get that he's the new toy and, and we're all excited by what he brings, but it's just it's not common to see rookies or even second year players have a big impact or be a big part of the rotation in the playoffs. And for Adrian Griffin to specifically mention Christian Brown, who was, uh, I think caught a lot of us off guard. Yeah. And I think an important thing to point out though, with Christian Brown, I mean, he was not just like a consistent every night, positive player during the nuggets playoff run either. Right. I mean, yep. they had this kind of stick with him and the couple games where he made, you know, a real positive impact in the finals, like 
they got to that because they were able to live with some of the nights when he didn't do anything and maybe it was on the floor when they didn't defend well, right? So we'll see if the Bucks are as kind of similarly patient with Andre as, as the Nuggets were with Christian Brown. Um, other interesting parallel, Christian Brown was in, uh, won the championship with Kansas, then goes to Denver, wins a championship in his first year um, with the Nuggets as well. Andre Jackson wins at UConn last year, has a chance if by some uh, the grace of, of the good Lord, the Milwaukee Bucks can win an NBA championship this year. He can follow in Christian Brown's footsteps and go from being an NCAA champion to an NBA champion um, in back-to-back years. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of see, see kind of how it evolves. But again, the season is long, and this is just the start of it. Um, I think just before we go, Justin, we didn't talk a lot about Chris just because he didn't play tonight. Um, but 24 points, 10 assists on Saturday night, made a bunch of big plays in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, yeah. Um, especially, I think, of like the two alley-oops he had to Giannis. Like the first one, like just a very like weird, like straight down the middle Giannis. Yeah. Pretty sure Giannis got fouled and just yeah. sort of like laid it up and in. Like just the angle to think to make that pass is sort of, again, Chris is the guy that is just trusted Giannis and his ability to catch everything. Um, so that was impressive. And then um, I don't know if it was a, a one possession later, or a couple of possessions later, but um, you know, coming, coming in with, they kind of, you know, I think they got a rebound or a turnover or something and Giannis gets picked up by Brandon Pajemski, who had an amazing game. Let's say that, um, you know, for some reason, I, um, I don't, I, I mean, I think a lot of people don't like Tyler Harrow. I don't either. He plays for the heat. What's to like, um, Brandon Pajemski way, way higher Q factor, uh, as a, you know, white Wisconsin guy who seems like he's got a bright future in the NBA. Uh, he looked great, uh, for the warriors, um, on Saturday night and he's been playing really well, but he had to pick up Giannis in transition. Giannis kind of think took one look at him and basically yeah. kind of moved towards the basket. And Chris <laughs> sees little Brandon Pajemski and says, you know what? I'm just going to chuck the ball up to Giannis and Giannis wheels around and throws down a, an awesome reverse alley-oop dunk, which uh, again, just sort of one more alley-oop, you know, in the, uh, in the archive between Chris Middleton and Giannis Adetokounmpo. And again, I thought it, it's funny, you know, Chris, we didn't talk much about Chris when Camille and I talked about the, the Celtics game. Cause he only had five points, right? I think he yeah. was like two for seven or something. Um, but his movement, right. Just the way he's moving on the floor offensively, you see it in the score the scoring average ticking up the way it has. But I think the just as importantly, I think defensively, he's just looked a lot, a lot sprier um, yeah. on defense, I think, than, than he has previously. And look, he, he's going to lay off guys a little bit. Like you can kind of tell he, he's got to measure things a little bit, you know, not that Chris was ever really athletic. Um, I think there's been sort of three defensive phases to his career. That was sort of like the really good defender, you know, sort of young Chris version. Um, And then there was, I think the version that we saw around the time of the championship and sort of the year before that as, as well, where it wasn't really kind of the impact defender, maybe that he was before would get blown by, um, you know, like once, twice a game just would kind of get caught flat footed and just didn't have the, the kind of a lateral quickness to keep up. But um, you know, now we're, I think we're getting, pretty close to what I think he was a couple years ago. And and again, maybe he won't get fully back there, but he just thinks the game. He sees the game. Yeah. He knows how to play. You know, that's why the defensive numbers look way better with him on the floor than when he's on the bench. And 
again, is he going to, you know, lock down Jason Tatum in a playoff series? No. Um, but he held up well in at least the first half when Tatum was actually on the floor on yeah. Thursday. And, you know, again, they need him to at least provide some resistance when he's in matchups like that. And again, it's not to say that the Bucks shouldn't be thinking about how they get different options and just expecting Chris to go out and stop, you know, dangerous wings. Cause Chris has never been the strongest guy in the world necessarily. But, um, but again, if he can give them possessions, you know, uh, Eric name always likes to point out that Chris was the one defending uh, Kevin Durant during a lot of like the overtime of game yeah. seven against the nets. Right. We always think of like, Oh, it was, it was PJ or, or drew doing all that. But Chris had a lot of important shifts yeah. against KD late in, in game seven of that series. And, you know, he goes over six in overtime, which nobody ever really likes to talk about. Um, so again, if Chris Middleton is just like competent as a man defender and doing kind of the stuff that we know he's capable of as, as a team defender, um, Again, it doesn't solve the Bucks' defensive problems, uh, but you know if we can at least turn one of the you know point guard, shooting guard, small forward positions into like okay, at least we don't have to like be like super worried about that position defensively. Yeah, that's that's pretty important if this team's going to ever defend at a high enough level to to win a championship this year. And and that big game against the Warriors, two 13 points and five assists in the fourth quarter for um, for Chris. Um, and I was talking about this with somebody. Um, last night during that Warriors game um, from the Warriors about Chris and um, his up and down play, however you want to put it throughout the season, just his overall growth and, and how the Bucks have brought him along this year. And we had both kind of mentioned yeah, kind of, it, it kind of reminds you of Clay Thompson in many ways that there's similarities there where you know he's going to be able to score, and and that is certainly looking better and better. And same for Clay, that he'll have nights like we saw against the Bulls prior to the Bucks game, where he'll score thirty and knock down threes. They're not the same athlete defensively, but what they do bring is their length and size and just the defensive IQ, and that's what you're banking on if you're the Bucks. And look, it's it's just like we talked about with the Dame acquisition. It's just it's changed everything for Chris too when you think about what he'll have in the tank to give you when it's not just, hey, man, we need you to score 25 to 30 a night because that's where this offense is. Of We got Giannis and Dame, so whatever you give us is great. That's a bonus. Yeah, and the nice part is in the playoffs, all those guys are going to see their minutes extended. So there's going to be less time where you know Chris has to run an offense by himself. Um, yeah. But I think he deserves a lot of credit, right? I mean, yeah. again, like people get so worked up about like him – having like turnovers when turnovers, he's trying to dribbling right. against double teams, things like that. I mean, he has like a shade over two turnovers a game. Like I swear some people, yeah. like there's like some exchange rate. Like if people see one Chris turnover, they <laughs> treat it like it's worth four, four. like it's worth four turnovers or something <laughs> like that. Like someone was, someone was messaging with me today. I said, Chris was the, like still felt like the best passer on the bucks. And they were like, well, yes. he, he throws one nice pass, but then he makes four or five like bad passes. Cause he gets, it's like, I, I just was looking at the, it's like, he, he's averaged like one pass related turn, like a little over one pass related turnover per game the last two years. It's like people like just like un understand, like don't let your brains like go crazy about this stuff. And again, like has Chris handled against pressure too much at times? Like, yeah, I totally agree. Right. Like he had a couple bad turnovers, like in the, the, the IST game in Vegas, you know, t totally get it. Right. But again, like we're not talking about like, some guy who's averaging, you know, four assists and four turnovers or something like that. You know, it's, it's not like an epidemic, right? We're talking about 
tweaking some things and, and whatever it might be like it's still a huge luxury to have a guy like chris as as your third banana because again the combination of shooting and playmaking um at his size it's it's still pretty rare and again i know we never talk about like like the we never talked about like the trade chris stuff right but just again it's just funny like the noise that there was like you know a month or two ago about like oh they gotta look at trading middleton it's like well if he's as bad as you think he is then what are you gonna do i'm sure he's got a great what are you gonna get for him yeah exactly right. yeah and, um you know look if if your argument now is that he's got some great market value you can trade for like i what i always say is show me the trade <laughs> show me the chris middleton trade that makes this team better and helps them in the long term um and and i'll listen to it but um yeah again just fingers crossed that that him and the rest of these guys stay stay healthy and um Again, Bucks have Bucks have been very lucky with health, right? We gotta, you know, I'm like I'm gonna keep saying that. Like, let's not act like the Bucks haven't been. Giannis has played what all but one game. He played with the shoulder. Yeah. Who knows if the shoulder is bothering him tonight? Um, and fortunately, weird schedule coming up. I I just looked at it right after the game. Three yeah. games against the Cavs and two against the Pistons in the next five. Like well, very their next their next five games are against the Cavs and Pistons because yeah. you have the one in Cleveland, then the two games in Detroit, and then you come home for two against Cleveland. So very weird schedule. Um, but fortunately, they got a couple off days here. Um, they don't have to play against again until Wednesday against Cleveland. So um, again, a little chance to kind of recharge batteries. Um, chance for Dame to spend some more time with his kids. Uh, and, uh, again, like hopefully just get the vibes, continue to get the vibes to a better place. Um, cause, uh, I don't know, you know, it just, again, I don't know how real it always is and how much of it's like a reflection of kind of like Bucks fans just going insane whenever the Bucks lose. But, um, this was, uh, it's been a nice four days and, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about the Packers, but that man, was that was, uh, that was a, for, for Wisconsin sports fans, uh, this was a nice little nightcap. Bucks getting a an awesome buzzer beating win, but uh, yeah, if they had this would have been a pretty good get game to lose if you're just trying to sneak a loss in because most of Wisconsin is just uh, still in ecstasy on cloud nine from that Packers win. Which uh, I was at a bar in Austin, Texas, full of Packer fans. That was one of the more impressive things <laughs> certainly I've seen in uh, by a Packer team. So. Shout out to Wisconsin sports, giving us some things to be happy about. This this would have been a good place to have the Jazz game today and, <laughs> yeah. and maybe beat them last week. But instead, it, it creates for one of the more memorable sports days in Wisconsin in the last uh, few years with that Packers win. And Damian Lillard with the nightcap and that walk-off against the Kings. We will uh, we'll leave it there. And uh, as you mentioned, the schedule, Frank, it does get very strange. As you got two days off, then you go to Cleveland for one day or one game, then you got two days off, and then you have that series in Detroit, and then a series in Milwaukee uh, against the Cavs. So a very strange schedule to look ahead to for the Bucks in the coming days. We'll get to that uh, in these next few days here, but uh, relish this one as Damian Lillard does it again, lifting the Bucks to this win over the Sacramento Kings. We'll be back on the podcast uh, tomorrow to start to take a look ahead at this strange week for the Bucks. For Frank, I'm Justin. We'll talk to you then.